I could record it in a bathtub. Ooh, that'd be awesome, actually. That would be pretty awesome. If if you really wanted to, then you totally could. But at the same time, like that may be a little bit weird uh, in terms of like water plus podcasting equipment. Yeah. Well, I, again, I'm, I still don't have a mic yet. I'm I'm gonna see if there's any good like Black Friday deals on mics to see if I can get one that's not crazy. And then I don't know. All right. A uh, really quick mic vertical. What are you uh, planning on getting? Probably just the Blue Yeti. Yeti Blue. Yeah, Blue, Blue, Blue is the company, and then Yeti is the model. Very good. He said that always confuses me, because then there's the Yeti Snowball, or is it the Blue Snowball? It's the Blue Snowball. Uh, they have the Snowball, the Yeti, and then there's like a Yeti Pro that has XLR outputs that you don't really need, um, so I don't have that. But how this works is, um, uh, yeah, those are the two like top-of-the-line USB mics that most people use for podcasting, and then... Um, as it turns out, uh, they have a few other like higher quality models. I think they have one made for iPad, uh, but I, I don't know much about it. And they have a bunch of other accessories and things that I really need to buy so that I can knock on the desk yeah. uh, from across the way and uh, not have it not picked up it. by the mic. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, I was just looking, and then there's the generic. Everyone's just like, oh, look at the snowball and everything. It's like 50 bucks, and then from other podcasts, they're just like, nope, don't, don't get that. Don't ever, no. And I don't know why, but yeah, don't. So I'm looking. No, I'm, uh, it depends on uh, what um, like what you want to do with it. I have a friend that uses a, a, a snowball for just recording songs and then uploading them to SoundCloud, and it's fine. But honestly, mm. it's like you know, whatever you want to do, really. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just looking. I mean, I'm, I was looking at the different ones, and so there's like the Blue Yeti, and then or, yeah, it's Blue Blue Yeti, Blue Yeti. Sorry. Are you recording? <laughs> yeah, I'm recording. All right, awesome. Yeah, me too. Is so, this a show? Um, <laughs> uh, is this a show? True. Is this the show? Yes. Yay, that's good. Uh, my girlfriend's in the background. Is she listening live? <laughs> she's listening live. Oh, no. Uh, just my half of the conversation, but she's in the room with me because uh, we weren't planning on heading uh, out tonight. But she came by, and we're going to watch a show called Over the Garden Wall after. Um, I don't know too much about it, but I hear it's like – Is that like... the one with the – is that the – Over the Garden Wall? I'm thinking of like this other movie with like the princess and the wall or something. It's oh, like um, kind of thing, uh, but... Secret of – Secret Garden. Secret Garden, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking of that one. No, it's not Secret Garden. No, this is a, a Cartoon Network show that has been compared to Year Walk uh, in a way. Uh, it's 10 episodes. They're 10 minutes each, so we're just going to marathon them all like a um, one movie-length thing. But beyond yes. that, no, I'm excited to uh, see where this goes because I've never been a Cartoon Network kid. I've always been uh, Nickelodeon. Mm, same. Cartoon Network took a weird turn. It, I, I think it was weirder in the 90s because things like Ed, <laughs> yeah. Ed and Eddie, uh, Courage, demented me as a kid. They really scarred oh, me. Oh, I love – like Courage like had the weird – like. At one point, I thought Courage was, like, like, I remember, like, seeing it as a kid, and then, like, seven years later, like, just, like, maybe probably three years ago, four years ago, mm -hmm. I saw, like, a clip of it, and I'm just like, wait a second, that was, that was, like, a real thing and not, like, a nightmare, <laughs> nightmare I had, like, that wasn't just a weird, I don't even know, but it's one of those movies that kind of just, kind of, like, I don't know, kind of just, like, a creepy video game or something that you just didn't realize, like, oh, wait a second, that was an actual thing. That's how I was with, um... Donkey Kong 64, because that game is Uncanny Valley Central. It is ridiculous how creepy the models in that game are, and I realized it even when I was, like, six playing it. <laughs> also, oh, yeah. I apologize for the uh, popcorn popping in the next room. <laughs> I can't hear it. I just, I'm just glad I can't hear it. I don't know if you heard my roommates there for a second. I'm really glad that you can't hear this. Yeah. <laughs> no, another, like, another kind of game like that is almost like, especially with the remake coming out um, soon, is Majora's Mask. Did you ever play that as a kid? It was my first N64 game. 
it was one of those games where I actually, I never really, like, I never really played, played the game. Like, I got the game from a family friend who had it, and they'd already beaten it and gotten all the masks. So I would just go around and <laughs> around on the free world. Oh, sorry. No, that's fine. I'll, I'll, make a, I'll make a note and bleep that out. <laughs> just, like, mess around in the free world or something, like, go around with the different masks or do whatever the heck I wanted over the three-day period and never really played, played it. And then I go and look at the trailer for, like, the newer one. And it's just like there's actually a mission where there's cows being kidnapped. There's <laughs> the creepy faces. I know the to- guy, the toilet, the guy in the toilet. That that part I knew about. And then the graveyard was all creepy and everything. But it's just you look at the new trailer that Nintendo put out, and it's just like what is what is wrong with this game? I don't, <laughs> I don't remember a guy in the toilet. Uh, oh, there I, was a guy. In, there was a guy in the toilet who you needed to get bring him paper. He was like stuck in the toilet, and you just saw his hand. That's all you saw. I don't remember that one. That's that, interesting. Yeah. I um, <laughs> I remember when I played it, that game terrified me um, because it was my first ever N64 game. I bought it. Um, it was really oh – God, how do I uh, how do I describe this? Uh, it wasn't Uncanny Valley in the way that Donkey Kong 64 was, but it was really terrifying just because it Dark. had, like, all of the weird score. It had all of the crazy character models. Uh, the Skull Kid with the Majora's Mask is actually one of my favorite things. I'm starting to think about a tattoo. And I want it to be video game related, and uh, I'm up in the air between something from Monument Valley and Majora's Mask. I would totally get the Skull Kid as a tattoo, even though it's probably been over- overdone. No, I actually got, um, I think it was last year, as like a Club Nintendo Platinum Reward thing, or Gold Reward, whatever it was. You get to choose between a few things, and I got the Majora's Mask soundtrack. Whoa! Oh my I god. Love that. I could, I could send that to you. Um, I love that soundtrack <laughs> so much. It's such a, like, it's just so... It's such a weird. I wonder. I don't even know if I have it on my computer right now, but I don't have anything to pipe the audio through. But it is such a nice, weird soundtrack. It's great. I love it so much. It's one of those things that's like with video games like this. Uh, back in like the eighties, they had to like program the cartridge to make the sounds, which was interesting. Mm-hmm. So like uh, they could. They were limited to chip tunes and things that could fit on the cartridge. But as things started to get a much more, um, a lot, yeah, a lot more complex, you were able to do uh, more beautiful things, and you get really great composers to uh, evolve the original Zelda score into something as beautiful. I'm, I'm sure at this point in the N64 era, it wasn't orchestral yet, but it was still yeah, like I think a it was massive step up from uh, like the 80s. I think I remember like something on Wind Waker, and then especially with newer games, even just past um, the GameCube and onto the Wii, that's when like they're like, oh, full full orchestra score finally or something. But yeah, back to like that with the chip tunes. There's the whole thing of um, like Pokemon Red and Blue, how Lavender Town was creepy as heck. Mm-hmm. Like like people, there's a whole creepy past, uh, however you pronounce that, on the web about it and everything. But just like the sounds would actually give people migraines or something along those lines, just because of the weirdness of it i am getting chills now that you're talking about it it is upsetting how much that affects me <laughs> lavender I, town was creepy it was like i remember when i played uh played the yellow version on my game boy color it was like it was creepy but it didn't really like land with me i remember oh wow wait these are pokemon that died these are their ghosts holy crap um but i ended up like it, it kind of went over my head as a kid but now looking back and especially they changed the score from that japanese version to the american version so the uh, stuff you're talking about with the migraines and uh in the creepy pasta i guess is that these kids killed themselves because of this <laughs> which is creepy and horrifying mm-hmm. but uh it was because of these like dissonant tones that would resonate so perfectly in the japanese version that they changed it for the english version i think 
I think if I recall correctly, I think they changed. I think they actually just changed it between red and blue and then yellow at least too. I think there was like a di there's a because I had yellow. I got I got the yellow cartridge like at a GameStop about six years ago, mm -hmm. and I remember comparing it or something about comparing it to the red and blue. And even between those two, they changed it too just to make it less distant um, ominous, I guess. <laughs> What Something we'll do is uh, I'm going home for Thanksgiving tomorrow, and I have uh, <laughs> my uh, yellow Pokemon Yellow still mm -hmm. operational. <clears throat> yeah. So we'll do some uh, follow up on the next show about that. Follow up on Pokemon Yellow. Oh yeah, we'll uh, go a little bit virtual on this one. Uh, going back to you know Creepy Pasta and Majora's Mask. Have you ever read the Ben's cartridge thing? Oh, the, with the Majora's Mask one. Mm hmm. Yes, I that just to back to the creepiness of Majora's Mask. Those statues that you would have in that valley, I forget what it was called. Now it kind of reminds me of Monument Valley with the puzzles. But <laughs> that valley, like those statues where you'd play the song and suddenly you turn into a statue to hold down a button or to keep something blocked. Those mm -hmm. statues were creepy. Just the Link statue. That thing was creepy as heck. <laughs> like <laughs> That thing was just had a scary look on his face. It was so weird. That was such a dark, bizarre turn. And I uh, I was listening to, uh, I guess it was the most recent episode of Virtual where they talked about yeah. this. Um, they were talking about how this is such a departure from the rest of the Zelda series. And it was my first ever Zelda game. I played it when I first got my N64. I guess it was 2000, 2001. And, uh, it came, yeah, it came out in 2000, which is nuts considering how, I don't know, how game consoles progressed, yada, yada. Yeah, um... No, it's really interesting to see that that was my first ever entry into the Zelda universe, and it was the weird one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, the other ones, I mean, like, you, you compare Majora's Mask to Wind Waker, and it's just, like, night and day, but then Twilight Princess had a little bit of, like, weirdness in it. It seemed like they like to go dark every other, because Twilight Princess was just a little bit nuts. Just, I don't know, the different dark parts about it, and I don't know. It was just different. It was different. Uh, it was more mature in a way that I don't yeah. think uh, Majora's Mask was. Like, Majora's Mask was just dark. Uh, I feel mm -hmm. like um, uh, on the new console, because it came out, it was a launch title for the Wii, uh, Twilight Princess was a lot more mature and a lot more vast in a way that the N64 ones weren't. Um, but no, I'm really glad that it evolved in that direction. I haven't played Skyward Sword yet. Oh, it's so good. Skyward is like, it's like the happy baby of Twilight Princess and Wind Waker with all the cheeriness and everything, but then the awesome kind of exploration almost but it also has like the whole it has the Wii Motion Plus controller so your sword swipes mean a lot more than just waving it randomly or waving it wherever you want and in in um, Skyward Sword you actually swipe in a certain direction and it like makes a difference depending on how you swipe it I don't know it's a lot more accurate I remember getting um, the I remember getting the Wii once Wii it first Motion came Plus. out, and uh, no, not even the Motion Plus. It was the standard one, and just yeah. flicking my wrist would be comparable to say pushing A on the GameCube controller. Yeah, and it was cool, but it wasn't nearly as immersive as I was hoping. Uh, when you played video games as a kid, or I, maybe if you still do, did you ever use cheat codes or guides? Oh yeah, I used guides all the time. I actually have, I actually bought one for like, I, I especially with the Pokemon games, I would buy the guides and kind of use them as a guide like i wouldn't just look ahead and cheat kind of but i'd almost like say okay i'm in this town i need to figure out this stuff or whatever or with the zelda game i actually got it for ocarina of time 3ds because it's so like it's it's a it seems like twilight princess was a lot simpler than ocarina of time it seems like they've kind of done that but in a good way but like ocarina of time is just so kind of there's so many different things that it just makes a huge difference if you're googling something every two seconds to rather than trying to figure it out on your own kind of it's it's hard <laughs> 
That makes sense, but um, with Twilight Princess, uh, that they made it a little bit less like insane uh, because the Water Temple in Ocarina is cool and unusual punishment. <laughs> but the way that they do um, uh, all the puzzles and stuff in Twilight Princess, it's bigger, but it's not as complicated. I totally get that. Yeah, it's just not as like it's not in the weird menu menu the little tiny details that minutia like, minutia or minu, minute with the weird pronunciation that I can't pronounce right now um, minute details sorry <laughs> um, but welcome yeah, to Garrulous everybody <laughs> yes I can't pronounce crap um, but you just did you said crap F nine. Um, <laughs> Uh, going back to video to. game cheat codes, um, what I find amazing is that in this age of the internet now, uh, all of the bugs, all of the weird little side quests are still uh, exploitable because you can just Google them and maybe they'll have a headline when someone discovers something interesting in Skyrim. But back in the 90s, early 2000s, when you didn't have the internet as readily available, <clears throat> when you had games for the N64 and the GameCube, you urban legends like flew all over the place did you like ever have things in pokemon where you had to like stand next to the truck and push a 500 times to get mew or like um not, not so much with pokemon but i remember with mario like just between me and my friends are like yeah if you do this you can unlock yoshi in the mario game and then you can take in mario 64 i think yeah mario 64 I think you could actually get unlock of yoshi eventually but then there was like these weird ways like oh you can do this and you can ride yoshi through all the levels and beat bowser again <laughs> or if you do this um in trying to think of another game that i played in that time but let's see mario and then like maybe the james bond games too just like weird little tricks or whatever but yeah it was definitely a lot different and i it's it's strange that i remember that now just like the word of mouth of weird things like oh you can unlock oh yeah one of the ones is like oh if you mess around in the ghost town enough in the ghost level enough luigi will come out <laughs> and like that obviously wasn't true at all but everyone was just like everyone thought that it was it was weird <laughs> Yeah, um, I had that in Super Mario 64. Uh, at the very end, once you unlock all 120 stars, you can fly up to the top of the castle and get Yoshi. But mm -hmm. he just kind of stands there and is a message from the developer saying, thanks for playing uh, Super Mario 64. Please have fun and keep playing. And here's 100 lives so you can keep playing. But um, <laughs> I remember in the ghost level, just before you actually enter, when you're in that weird little courtyard, there was a fountain. And on that fountain was a plaque with a bunch of random nonsense characters that Nintendo threw in just to make it look more like a castle. But... Some people squinted and tilted their head enough to think it said something like Luigi comes alive or something. So <laughs> that must have been it. Yeah, that was what really that was what really like got my goat. I wanted to play as Luigi in that game. <laughs> that would have been and then and then they did that with the remake on the DS. On the on the DS, on the Nintendo DS. What do you think of that? The remake? Mm-hmm. Oh, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I mean, it was one of those it was one of the first DS, DS games, and one of the things I did like was the download play because you could play all those fun, dumb mini games with your friends or siblings, as I did, and you can. It was just fun being able to play as different characters and just beat each other around for stars and coins. But also just like using, I mean, that's like the only, the first, and I think the only really game with being able to play as Wario as a three D character rather than just a side scrolling character, and that was definitely interesting on its own. Interesting. No, um, let me think. It was the first main Mario game to do that, but you could play as Wario in things like Mario Golf, Mario Tennis. Well, uh, yeah, but like not like that. a 3D world explorer kind of deal. Yeah, exactly. It really bothered me that you started the game as Yoshi and that the different... Yeah, see, that part was weird. I forgot about that. You had to, you had to find their hats. Yeah, that was weird. Like, um, I liked how they did the hat mechanic because that was the same way that they did in the original game, but 
the fact that you know you had to like find all the weird hats and deal with all of the stuff that they just kind of put in the game to make it uh like up the replay value or uh make it uh, fresh for people that play the original game i don't think that worked yeah i i mean i only played it and i don't even think i'm trying to think if i actually went through and got all the stars as complete as before and with any remake probably not i mean <laughs> i probably just played it and like oh this is awesome it's on my ds now i can take it with me and then I think I actually lost it. Um, I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, it definitely, it it was different, but it wasn't, like, shocking different. I don't know. Yeah, I get that. No, it was fun. Uh, I got the DS just for that because one of my favorite activities with my dad when we were ki- when I was a kid, when, when we were kids, no. Uh, when when, you, I was when you and your dad were young, <laughs> knee-high to a grasshopper. <laughs> we, um, uh, we would play through the game together, and uh, it was a few hours a night at least we would uh hang out <clears throat> and uh get a few stars and i memorized the game at that point because i played through it a bunch of times since it was the first time i ever saw my dad uh really get into a video game and the only time i've ever seen him get into this into a video game and what i i'm trying to get him back into it with monument valley i sent him a gift mm-hmm. or uh like i gifted him the app i was like okay try this you like puzzles you like optical illusions let's see if you like this and follow up next week <laughs> <laughs> I might do that to my my dad. Actually, finally, just upgraded to an iPhone six after dealing with a four for way too long. I don't know how he does it. Wow. But um, he got a six, and he's really liking it so far. And it's actually, hopefully, when I'm get down there, I can actually show him how Apple Pay works because he was asking about that. <laughs> he's like, "How do I use Apple Pay?" Nobody knows how like, it works. <laughs> well, it's it's just Apple doesn't really provide a, like a demonstration of it. Like their video, their demo video online is seven seconds. It doesn't say anything about make sure you hold it here, make sure you put your fingerprint here, and anything. They didn't really, like, they just say, oh, here's Apple Pay. It's set up. Your card's in there. It's like, now what? Like, for people that don't keep along with the beat or didn't watch the event, it's just, they didn't really explain it as much, I don't think. It doesn't feel like. But hopefully, because topic, I'm going to Disneyland over this weekend for Thanksgiving. And so hopefully Disney has rolled out their Apple Pay things. I don't know if they have. But... Yeah, I'm going to Disneyland. <laughs> so, what, did you just win a football game or something? Or did you, no. you know, make a wish? No my, my, no, my mom was just like, okay, let's think about what we want to do for Thanksgiving. So then suddenly, like, hey, guys, let's go to Disneyland. I'm like, okay. Um, That's sure. fantastic. <laughs> Congratulations, so, man. Yeah. Have you ever been so, before? I've been, like, I've been a couple of times. I think I've been two or three times. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, living in Arizona, it's always just been a nice little weekend drive or over spring break drive to los angeles it's like four or five hours oh yeah that's right because i i keep forgetting um uh, i keep forgetting like out west uh things are not necessarily closer together but there's less stuff between you and them oh yeah Uh, paint me a picture with your words tell me about the west uh desert no i mean there's (laughs) there's a lot of open land basically like if you drive anywhere like utah to arizona or arizona to california that you'll see a lot of cattle and fenced off places and a lot of barbed wire for, like, where people have their cattle and something like that. But, I mean, the cities are pretty dense, I guess. But, yeah, it is a lot of open land compared to the East Coast. I mean, I've been I've been to Boston. I've been to Virginia and Pennsylvania and that kind of area. It's definitely not as dense and not as, like, close together and packed as the East Coast is. You mentioned a quick uh, four or five hour drive. And to me, four or five hours is, like maybe once a year you'll do that and like uh go visit someone you really 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 admire i don't know maybe that's just my family but 
anything longer than an hour and a half for them is very, very long and very rare. <laughs> no, I think, I mean, I've been used to, I mean, my family, we've always driven up and down between Utah and here and Arizona. We have a few friends up in Utah. I've, we've gone to California a handful of times and we've actually taken a road trip all the way to Yosemite and then Oregon just on a road trip. And it's just, I guess driving, I mean, a lot of people around here, like teenage friends would get together. Oh, let's take a road trip up to Flagstaff or let's go camping in California or let's go to the beach or something like that. And I actually, I mean, as a kid, I would go actually went camping in California and side note, side note, it was actually with Lindsey Sterling's family. So that's kind of funny, but, um, we would go camping and just go on these trips and it's just always been a kind of thing where road trips have always been just a thing we do, I guess. There you go. I mean, for me, it's always been like, we have so much close to us that we never actually branch out to do anything that interesting. So it was lots of trips to the same beach, the same theme park. We were 45 minutes away from Six Flags Great Adventure, which is one of my favorite places in the world, but at the same time, you know, it gets old after a while. Um, yeah, I could imagine. Have you been to Mavericks? Mavericks. Um, is that it? Is that a theme park? I I, I don't know. Wherever Apple named its ten point nine after, because oh. you've been to Yosemite and apparently your laptop didn't I, screw up. No, I, I, I'm actually on Yosemite right now. It's pretty, hmm. I've been running I've been running the beta for some time now. No, I, I I installed the public beta the first time it was available. Nice. But no, um, I don't think I have been to Mavericks. I've been to. Oceanside. I don't know how close that is to Mavericks, but I've been to I've been to Six Flags Magic Mountain and a few other places in California. Maybe they'll name one Six Flags or Magic Mountain. OS10 weed. That was. I can't believe they got away with that. <laughs> I don't know how they got away with that. I saw. It. I'm just like, are it, are, like I just didn't know what to say. I'm just like, okay, like it's a really good joke, but how did who approved that? <laughs> uh, it's Tim Cook's apple. This wouldn't have happened if. Slap oh punch my fish. No, um, I will, I will. I will. Where's the slap button? Let me keep looking. Ow, Pat! Wow, you you sent me a slap. Kapow. That that no, was wait. painful. You want to talk about cereal for a bit? Cereal, mail camp. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, cereal. Uh, since we recorded our last episode, cereal kind of made waves in the media again by asking for donations, uh, mm-hmm. which for the biggest podcast in the world and for something that's been subsidized by This American Life and apparently charges some ridiculous amount for ads. I forget how much exactly, but they charge an absurd amount for one or two ads in a 45-minute episode every week. And it, it, I don't want to say it rubbed me the wrong way because podcasts need money. And oh, yeah, those kinds of things need to be sustained, especially by something with as rabid fans as uh, Serial. But I, I don't know something about the way that they're going about this. What what do you think about it? I saw like I just didn't really know what to think about it. Like I I mean this American Life was paying for it. I mean the, and then they're from that radio station in Chicago, which is also this American Life kind of part of it. Mm-hmm. That kind of shindig. Um, but one of the tweets I saw kind of summed it up in a weird way. Which spoilers. They said, like, why would This American Life not want to pay for cereal anymore? Maybe it's because they don't think people are going to be happy if they, after the season one outcome, like, maybe they think the outcome, like, of the actual case in the podcast isn't going to be what people think or it's not going to change or something like that. And so they're like, maybe people aren't going to want to listen to season two if season one is just rehashing a bunch of facts and stuff and then coming out with the same outcome or not being able to change it. 
which, as we discussed on last episode, just seems like a difficult thing to do in the first place. I agree. Um, I We did talk about this on last episode, so I don't want to rehash too much of that. But the way that you described it made me think of the uh, uh, new Assassin's Creed game and how the embargo for the reviews to come out was noon the day that the game came out. And it was riddled with bugs and people on the inside knew there were so many problems, but they had to ship it anyway because screw it, it's Assassin's Creed. They've got to get it out every single year on this exact day. Otherwise, you know, what else can you count on in life, you know? And the way that um, they kept the review embargoes until noon so that in the morning all the hardcore fans could come in and buy the game. They got millions of dollars that morning, and then noon came around. Oh, by the way, guys, don't buy this game. There are so many problems with it. And people were furious because they had still gotten millions of dollars and pushed the review embargo back so yeah. that they can exploit their hardcore fans. That just doesn't seem right for them to be able to do that. Exactly. But that's, the, that's, that's how I, I feel like you're describing this American life in relation to cereal, the way that mm -hmm. who knows, um, maybe we can get donations now so that if they don't like how season one ends, surprise, we'll have season two. The best thing I saw was this click hole article about this guy <laughs> who said, rabid serial fan is willing to be murdered for season two. You won't ever guess how I was killed. <sighs> that was the best. I got to find that article right now so I can read it. Oh, click hole. It'll be in the show notes, which will be at uh, brianhamilton.info slash garrulous slash two. Uh, we're going to be pro podcasters and make that the thing now. <laughs> And you need to fix that URL because on one is like there's a date tag on it too. Oh, seriously? I was about I was gonna tell you that. Sorry. Oh crap! No. Live. Um, <laughs> live tech support. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Garrulous, where we talk about the podcast we're on right now. Yes. No. Um. Here's the actual. Here's the actual headline. Superfan. This man has agreed to be murdered to ensure a second season of Serial. Are you already already dreading the end of Serial? Well, Boston native and Serial superfan Brian Ham. No, Justin Mayer. <laughs> will put your mind at ease he's agreed to be mysteriously murdered to ensure serial has a second season as spellbinding as its first awesome that's fantastic <laughs> it's the best headline it's the best lead ever there's one that's also um uh ira glass reveals he's exhausted from being all of the voices on this american life for 10 years <laughs> i love click hole just a side note that they spit out the best articles ever <laughs> They've done some amazing, amazing stuff. Um, my favorite of theirs has been, uh, don't want to bring up Gamergate again, but their Gamergate article was brilliant. We'll link to it in the show notes so you guys can read it on your own. No, I liked they, um They actually put in one time, they put the whole book of Moby Dick as an article with what? like 50 pages. They put Moby Dick on their website, that, that novel, as an article. Oh my god. And, it's like, and they did like a clickbait headline as you won't believe what happened with this whale. <laughs> it was so great. Oh god. And then along with that whole Beanie Baby thing which people believed. I saw a few people post that on Facebook and say, oh my god, this is horrible. I just threw out all of my Beanie Babies. And it was oh, a link to clickhole. <laughs> <laughs> I love the internet. It's so great. What else is going on this week, Kyle? Oh... Uh, not much, just actually my, my college is cool and I actually have a whole week off besides work. But What? Yeah, I have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday off. <laughs> like I wouldn't have to go to my college right now if I didn't work at, if, well, I don't know. If I didn't work at my college, I wouldn't have to go, go there today. I don't have classes at all this week. That That's amazing. Wow. <laughs> uh, what else? Uh, new Fall Out Boy out today. She's an American beauty. 
new Fall Out Boy song, yes, which is a very, a very good one, referencing films that I have never, never seen. Um, I have noticed. <laughs> I was going to ask you. So, uh, who is Patrick Bateman, Kyle? Okay, this isn't fair. <laughs> I have wait, no, Patrick. Wait, he's in. Um, he's is he? No, that's not Hotel Bates. I have no idea. <laughs> he's in American Psycho. Oh, I wouldn't have known. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I listen to it. I I like Fallout Boy. I really like their uh, first two albums. Everything beyond that has rubbed me the wrong way. And I know I'm mm. like I, I could not stand Save Rock and Roll at mm. all. Uh, I know that's controversial, and it was like a lot of people said it was their best album to date. But I think Light 'Em Up is one of the most atrocious songs I've ever heard. <laughs> I'm always kind of I mean sure I'm somewhat of a fanboy or whatever. I just kind of like whatever they put out, and it just I mean I saw them live and. I just really like their stuff. Their stuff, really. I'm, what era did you see um, them live? Um, just I saw them li- this August um, at my college. I saw them live um, for Monumentor, and then I saw them last year too on their Save Rock and Roll tour. And I saw them on their uh, Save Rock and Roll tour just because my friend uh, who went with her. Uh, just because. Yeah, no, just because uh, her her friend had skipped out, so she offered the ticket to me, so I went, and it was mostly to hear things like Dead on Arrival and. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Saturday live, which was totally worth it. But then, you know, Light It Up was fun live. That's all I'll say about it. I love the, I love how they, they pulled off. Because did they have um, flamethrowers during your show? Yes. Yeah, because they did that inside our activity center at UVU. They did a flamethrowers and smoke inside. Like the closed roof and everything. It was like, okay. <laughs> but it was pretty awesome. No, I mean, did, have you heard PAX AM days at all? Oh, that's their, like, hardcore-ish EP? It it was like a, what do you call it, power punk, power-ish, I guess. I don't know. It was kind of more of a punk sound with, like, breakdowns and everything. I'll listen to it. I haven't heard it yet. I was going to get it on Record Store Day because they had, like, a limited edition 7-inch with all the songs on it. But it ended up being, Mm -hmm. like, $30, so I passed. Oh, what the crap? Yeah, Record Store Day. Uh, You into vinyl at all? Oh, yeah, I am. I just, I haven't had a, I'm so mad at myself, mainly because I need to get one, but I, I don't have a record player up here, but I have um, a few, I have Yellow Cards, um, When You're Through Thinking, Say Yes on vinyl. Mm-hmm. I have a limited edition Steel Train EP that they actually sent to me, because I won it on Twitter. Um, <laughs> then I have Aim and Ignite from Fun. Um, Was that their first album? Yeah, that's what Fun's first album. Okay, okay. It's pretty great on vinyl. And then uh, two singles from Patrick Stump when he went on his solo thing. <laughs> yes. Hey, we no talked hate. about that. We talked about that. Yeah, we did. <laughs> didn't even mention my watch. Um, no, I just really, I don't know. Follow Boy, okay, just, Follow Boy is just one of those bands that I've just, I heard the, I heard Dance Dance in fourth grade, yada yada, but I've just always, I've always, always kind of liked them growing up. In my whole life, I don't know. It's just one of those bands that just kind of sticks with you, I guess. No, I totally get that. For me, that band is My Chemical Romance. Uh, I'm right. young, guys. I'm, please. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I mourn for you. Lost. I, I <laughs> see. I I genuinely like them, and I've thought way too much about what they are and what they do uh, because mm-hmm. I feel like they have. Uh, they're they're very genuine. Is my highest uh, compliment I can pay My Chemical Romance. They have this uh, very deep respect for uh like horror and show uh there's a better word for this um showy yeah for like being showy and being very theatrical Uh, that's the word yeah theatrical 
Sorry. They were really channeling Pink Floyd, Queen, things like that on the Black Parade, which is incidentally not my favorite album of theirs. Uh, but no, they, they've done some really cool stuff. And I still like every Halloween listen to uh, their album Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge just because mm. it is literally a B-movie uh, horror movie in punk rock form. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, they definitely I like um, I feel like Muse slightly has that, but with like My Chemical Romance and bands like that where they're almost it's almost like a story, but it's a different kind of story, but also just like it's like a experience, I guess. No, it's it's hard to describe, but it's just like what they do with their album is more of not just music, but also kind of especially with like Danger Days. Oh, it's like a it's yeah. like a it's like a story almost. Like Danger Days is basically is basically a story. Like it starts out with like an introduction from some voiceover guy um i don't know his name (laughs) and then it like goes into like this whole thing about how they're in this bat this battery city and everything and kind of goes from there as like a story almost with just the different things that are going on and then they go into music videos and kind of play out a little bit of characterism with it yeah, I really like it. Um, the way that Danger Days works, I think it's my favorite album of theirs because it has the musical maturity that they've always been like looking for and progressing towards, but it's got the lightheartedness of their earliest stuff where they can feel content to sit back and tell a story that they would have liked when they were kids, uh, something mm-hmm. that would work in comic book form. Uh, side note, Gerard Way has a comic called Umbrella Academy that uh, is perfect. It's one of my favorite uh, comics ever. But the way that uh, Danger Days works, no, you hit the nail around the head. It's much more about... Um, I feel like it's much more about the atmosphere of this world they create because it's like nothing too concrete, not nearly as concrete as the Black Parade, but it's got all the elements of like a weird narrative and the way it's told. It's got those yeah, voiceovers, the, the um, it's got those uh, like radio bits interspersed with it. So it's like you're listening to a broadcast and I love it. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, then of course, the music videos have laser guns all in them. So it's even more awesome. Oh, yeah. I mean, laser guns make <laughs> everything better. I feel like they actually use like the old NES light guns for those i think they might have i love those light guns oh my god they were so cool did you ever like have you ever played a real nes dude like um i grew up i have one that works really i literally like the nes was my first console like when i grew up but i thought you were only like 12 (laughs) i'm not that young everyone's like thinking i'm a teenager no but um no i grew up with an nes and duck hunt and super mario bros and like, I remember the game me and my dad used to always play is Super Mario Bros. 3, which is the best. And I bought the virtual console version on my 3DS and love it to death. But the light gun, yeah, there was there was Duck Hunt that used it. There was a few other games that I think used it, but not as memorable as Duck Hunt. But the NES is basically what I grew up with. I had uh, an NES. It was my parents' old console. And what happened was uh, we had Duck Hunt and Super Mario on one uh, cartridge. Yeah. And yeah, my, my dad hated that we had this like real gun for me to use i had to have been like (laughs) young i was in the new house so i had to have been five or six but uh, i was playing with a light gun for duck hunt and my dad was like no you can't do this this is horrible what are you doing um because i was a little kid playing with like a real gun a quote-unquote real gun like an actual Mm -hmm. like three-dimensional object that i could hold that was vaguely shaped like a gun Mm -hmm. and um a pop tart shaped like a gun oh yeah Okay, well, not going to gun commentary, but um, continue. <laughs> I don't no, want to go down that road. Oh, mm. uh, <laughs> but what happened was uh, the a bunch of the cartridges stopped working. No, no, the, something happened, but they ended up throwing away all of the cartridges. Oh. And turns out it was actually the console that, like, one of the 
it was something very, very basic. I forget exactly what, but it was something very basic that could have been fixed that my family never bothered to look at. So it ended up being like we threw away a bunch of really great old games and uh, they don't exist anymore. I still have the NES. I can probably track down some cartridges on eBay and maybe a TV that can make it work. But beyond that, no, I have, um, that was my very first console. And then the N64 actually like got me into games. I've actually like told my parents, don't ever throw that console. Because we actually have, I said, told them, like, don't ever throw that console away. Because we, I have, I have the NES, it works. We have the power supply, the cable. We actually have the auxiliary cable attachment because in those days it would just attach like, like an auxiliary cable rather than the three red, yellow, and white cable thing. It mm. had that one too, like as a splitter because you would feed your cable in through that splitter and then it would go to the TV and then channel four was the NES. <laughs> that's fantastic (laughs) i have that along with uh like probably 12 15 games wow and all in them just a bin in my house and they have like the games even have like these plastic covers that we would put them in Mm. because i have like the first three super mario bros duck hunt i have that that cartridge that has duck hunt mario bros and that track track and field game because it actually had like a ddr pad that you would use to run what in a track and field game on the NES. I don't remember that. No, it 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 was an awesome thing. Um, I don't I don't know exactly what it was called, but it was just a tracking game, and you would do like you could do, you could do the fifty meter, you could do a hurdle thing where you would jump up and down, and you could do like a I don't know, you could race your you race your friend playing with you. It was it was pretty rad for a rad. Wow, uh, it was pretty <laughs> cool for an NES. It's game. pretty gnarly, dude. And pretty for gnarly. A yes. Nintendo Entertainment System. Caught some, caught some video mad air. game. Then I had like I think I had a Ninja Turtle game. I had Monopoly, Monopoly on the NES. Oh God, how could that have worked? It was yeah, it wasn't that bad. I actually played. I preferred it to the board game because you don't have to sort out anything, and it worked. It wasn't like a computer game that you had to weird downloads or weird three D graphics or something. Then we had like Tetris, which again I probably could sell this for so much, but I'm never going to. Tetris. Um, I said Ninja Turtles. Some game called Mule, and then. I think we actually had Dr. Mario at one point, or Yoshi. Yoshi, where it was just like matching stuff. But yeah, we had a good collection of games that my parents kept, and that thing still works. <laughs> Going back it, to uh, have, making sure parents never throw anything away. Um, oh, that never so works. I've invested way too much money into video games uh, over the course of my life, and how my video game intake works. In my basement of my house, I don't have any video games up here with me at school except for my playstation 3 occasionally because my brother and i switch it off because we're both journey addicts but um mm-hmm. we had uh, in the basement a really nice big tv with my wii ps3 and uh apple tv down there so that was where like all the modern stuff was up on my desk because i used a laptop and got rid of like the giant pc desk monstrosity that i'd been using until i got a mac i got rid of that and i had a ton of desk space so i got this old tiny like can't be more than 13 inches it's this old crt uh, mm-hmm. massive like it, it's deeper than it is <laughs> wide i love it to death i'll never throw this thing away and it's a monitor there, uh no no it's not a monitor it's a legitimate crt uh tv oh my gosh um it used to be like what my parents would use to uh in our little gym area we had like a little elliptical in a uh in a room with a tv mounted in the corner so i took that once we got rid of it anyway um on my desk a little monitor sized old tv with my n64 GameCube, NES, and PS1, and a VCR for good measure. <laughs> I'm gonna be um, 
uh, I, I'm going home this weekend, so I'll get a picture of this uh, setup for the show notes. But oh my god, I spent more time up there on my desk with all of these old video games uh, than in the basement with all my modern games. <laughs> no, I mean, like I remember, it was just like a classic little thing where my my older sister had a lot of friends, and they would always come over and have stuff or what, have parties, hang out or whatever. And my mom always told me because I would always be begging, like, "Mom, I want to. We we should get the new console. We should get this one or something." And just as a proud moment one day, she's like, Kyle, you'll not believe what Caitlin's, uh, Caitlin's friend said today about like, they're like, oh, this NES thing is so cool. This is so much better than our Xbox or something along the lines of that. Because of just like how old and nostalgic it was. And they were playing Mario or they were playing, they were playing Duck Hunt or something and just saying how cool it was. Because I mean, you still don't have something like Duck Hunt on the Xbox. Except no. The Connect if you wave your arms around or something. But <laughs> slap the ducks. <laughs> Duck slap. Um, Do you remember uh, iToy on the PS2? Oh my gosh. <gasps> that thing was the <laughs> And the PS3, they like kind of upped it a little bit and then forgot about it. Mm-hmm. And then made you have those little sticky wavy ones. God. That weren't a Wii ripoff. No, but like she was just bragging about how like, yeah, they have Xbox and everything and they like our NES thing better. I'm like, yeah, it's a cool console. <laughs> They're like, it's just something about, I mean, obviously even today with the, we go, go into a whole vertical about nostalgia and pixelated artwork and things like flappy bird or crossy road or just even i don't know name your pixelated game here on the iphone and just like how those games had just the simple style with them that they were confusing they were hard because no one really had any online guides at that time even and the and the included guides barely did anything except maybe provide hints or just be secretive and then those games are just so different than now where it's just like tutorial, tutorial, here's an online guide, here's the guy that comes with the game, that those games are just so much different that made them more enjoyable. As much as I love the online communities that games have uh, like spawned over the past few years, let me rephrase that. As much as I like the cool people that video <laughs> games uh, you know, foster and allow to enjoy things in a very lovely, happy, normal manner. Um, like virtual. Like virtual, yeah, exactly. Um, directional, that some that one podcast. I feel uh, like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, as much as I love that, I really miss the uh, obscurity and the rumors that go around. And when it comes down to it, the skill that's involved with those older oh, games. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, remember having to do a wall kick in Mario 64? It was the oh, most impossible thing in the world. That was the worst. And it, I actually, like, those N64 controllers, those stick the, I don't know what you call it, not the, it's not like a C-stick, just the analog stick that's in the thing. That thing would break so easily. Mario and Party. And I would always, yeah, Mario Party, <laughs> Smash Brothers. Smash Brothers is where I would break them because you would do smash hits or something. But, like, I would... I, I remember trying to do wall jumps with the broken, stupid stick thing, and it was just impossible because you had to, like, it would, like once those things break, like, the ball bearing or whatever it was on was just so loose or not strong enough that they would just break, and then you can do wall jumps. You could barely attack good and attack well in Smash Brothers or anything. and It just, I don't know. And the way that it's coming back on iOS, the way that these games are much more about skill, they're simpler, they're probably free at this point with ads, um... I don't know, I like that this visual style is very in line with the way that people use their phones, because people would go to the arcades and drop five bucks and quarters to just keep playing this game, and keep playing this game, and keep playing this game with their friends, and it would be short, sweet, and satisfying, and then, um, you know, on iOS, it's exactly what you do when you go on the subway, you take out your phone, play a round of Flappy Bird, maybe not anymore, but you play a round of Crossy Bird, or that's what, Crossy, Crossy Road, Crossy Road Crossy. thank you, and you... Uh, 
you just sit and play it for just a little bit in a short, sweet, satisfying, and that's how these games are starting to come back. Like it, it's this parabola almost of like light and fun to really deep, intense, heavy. With uh, you know, uh, Ocarina was probably the big start of that on the N sixty four, and then uh, mm-hmm. it's still kind of it's still very um, prominent on the big consoles with AAA titles, but where I spend most of my time, uh, where I imagine most of my friends, most of the people I know in my life spend their time is playing short, fun, lighthearted games on their iPhone uh, in this old pixelate style to kind of bring back that nostalgia about hanging out and doing a quick little thing uh, that isn't, you know, playing 277 hours on Skyrim. Fun fact, Mm -hmm. that is how much my roommate has invested into Skyrim. (laughs) Oh, I don't even want to know how many hours I played Skyrim. (sighs) Or Grand Theft Auto last year. Oh, boy. Grand Theft Auto, what do you think of Grand Theft Auto 5? Last thing, we should probably wrap up soon, but what do you think of uh, Grand Theft Auto 5 really quick? I I agree that, well, I I don't know, I'm assuming. I do think that sometimes it could have been a little, it was a little vulgar and sometimes it was a little extreme, but other than, I loved the open world. I loved online play, me and a few friends, uh, I mean, a few Twitter friends too, would just go online and wreak havoc around or or Robert would crash my car for no reason. (laughs) But I loved like just the open world and just the possibilities of what you could do. It was pretty awesome. I agree. I think Brianna Wu said it best. It is a technical, like massive technical achievement, but it's something she won't play because of uh, the content. And while, okay, so I went on a little bit of a Twitter rant today about Archer and how I don't like it, um, and the way that the show is oh, so. Yeah, I saw that. It's such a callous show, and I feel like the horrible stuff they say and do doesn't have any um, effect. And by that logic, it means you're supposed to laugh at what they're saying. So I watched the episode today where Archer uh, has cancer, breast cancer, and he goes on like a chemo-fueled rampage. And I was watching it like, am I supposed to be laughing at the fact that he has cancer or the way that – like the cancer was the punchline of the jokes and it pissed me off. Uh, I feel like Rockstar yeah. does uh, stuff in Grand Theft Auto the same way that South Park does. Uh, it's incredibly Social vulgar. commentary. Social commentary. It's, it's got a point. It's got a reason for saying the things that it does. Um, I haven't played through all of the story. I'm maybe only like five or ten percent through it. I just every time I boot it up, I just go around and wreak havoc, and it's a blast. But oh yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, crash everything. Blow it's up everything. so much fun. But I, I've heard that um, as the story goes on, you get some really horrible stuff going on, like a torture scene that's very notorious. Um, oh yeah, that scene was crazy. Yeah, but um, that is probably like the pinnacle of the last generation. The fact that you get this really deep story that they put a lot of thought into, but um something that's still a technical marvel that you needed you know i don't know how many people are on the rockstar team i can imagine it's up in the hundreds or thousands but it's uh uh it's like how a camel is a horse designed by a committee because it's too big and they couldn't agree on anything uh grand theft auto 5 is such a great uh universal well thought out story and a great experience to jump right into it doesn't feel fragmented at all it feels very Mm -hmm. concise despite how big and sprawling it is i don't know i love it Oh, I loved it too. It definitely, I need to get a. I, debating how I'm gonna invest in the next gen console so I can play it again. So I don't have my Xbox 360 anymore. Mm, yeah, I get that. I um, so my brother has uh, our PlayStation 3 now, mm-hmm. uh, so he can play Journey and The Last of Us. But my roommate has a uh, Xbox, so mm-hmm. we do Grand Theft Auto, and uh, my other roommate plugs his uh, computer into the TV a lot, so we watch him play Skyrim and. Uh, mm-hmm. I've joined up our Steam library, so one day I'm going to hijack his uh, hijack his laptop and play uh, Gone Home on a big screen, which is going to be beautiful. 
That would be awesome. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, what else? Do you want to talk about anything else? Or have we... Uh, uh, thanks for listening to Virtual this week on uh, Relay F. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's what this has turned into. Now, there's lots of video games, lots of nostalgia, lots of uh, punk rock from middle school. <laughs> yes, punk rock from middle school. <laughs> God. Which probably should be the show title. That, 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 that's the show title. And now that well, we've it... decided our show title... <laughs> We always do that last minute. It never, it never fails. I was like trying to think. I'm like, what show title? I'm like, oh, okay, that works. Punk rock from middle school. <laughs>